0: I guess the harsh realities of what we are all dealing with right now as far as being in lockdown, some of us being in quarantine, trying to do every measure imaginable to prevent the spread of this coronavirus, we know for sports fans it has meant, well, you haven't found a whole lot of action, you haven't seen a whole lot of games on your screen unless you're digging deep into the classics vault, which we will get to in a little bit, but Here was my reality Sunday on what should have been the wrap up of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Watching little women, cooking dinner, doing yoga, and basically doing whatever hell Kate wanted me to do. So it was one of those weekends where you didn't have to put up much of a fight because you'd wake up, you'd do a little bit of a workout and be like, all right, what's next? What else do I have in store? So, I'm sure many of you are in the position that I'm in, where you're feeling antsy, where you're feeling all sorts of anxiety. I'll admit, this is the most anxiety I've dealt with in a long, long time in my life. And, you know, I'm very thankful for doing what I do, which is a job that in some ways provides levels of stress, but in many ways, I'm coming into work and. Let it rip, and I'm doing what I'd be doing at a bar stool or on a stoop or somewhere in your local deli or wherever you may be, at a ballpark, you name it. Shooting a you know what about sports. So, for us sports people, these last few days and these last few weeks have been very, very tough. And this was the first weekend, I have to admit, that I resorted to. The classic game vault. I haven't done much on it. I haven't been diving too much into old games here old games there. Because I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of in denial. In many ways, I'm kind of like, no, I, I don't want to be doing this because it hurts too much. It makes me too upset to think about old games when I should be watching new games. So... From my selfish standpoint, like last weekend or even during the week, I avoided a lot of the classic games. This weekend, I had no choice because I was itching and I was antsy. And there were a couple of games I wanted to rewatch. There were a couple of games that I wanted to really live from start to finish. And that's exactly what I did. We talked about this on Friday the last time we had a conversation how I wanted to relive some of my favorite games, favorite moments, best moments of all my years of watching the NCAA tournament. And I did some of that this weekend. The folks over at CBS were terrific. They put on some of the best college basketball games, hands down, and I can remember in my life. As I told you guys on the air Friday, there will never be a national championship game, for my money, that will match the ending of what you had with North Carolina and Villanova going back to 2016. Two great teams, two top-notch teams, a team in Carolina that went on and won it the following year, Villanova with NBA talent galore on that roster, and I think it was a Villanova team, quite frankly, that was underappreciated until they went out and won it. And I'll admit, I was one of those people kind of throwing a little bit of shade towards Villanova just because at that point in time, remember, Jay Wright was a head coach, couldn't win the big one. Jay Wright's teams before 2016 had this kind of reputation about them where they would come up short and they would not deliver when it matters the most. Well, they delivered in that Carolina championship game. But what made it so remarkable for me is the ending. When are you going to get an ending where you have Marcus Page hitting a desperation, heave, wacky, chaotic, discombobulated three-point shot to tie the game? That happens. It's like, holy smokes. Carolina's going to steal this game. Because for a good majority of it, Villanova outplayed them throughout. That all went out the window when Jay Wright, to his credit, draws up as good an inbounds play as you're ever going to see. And I'll never forget to this day, watching Carolina and watching Villanova and seeing the ball come off the hands of Chris Jenkins, I knew right then and there, the shot was pure. The shot was good. And... That's a moment you're never going to forget in college basketball. Now, that wasn't the only game I watched. But from an ending standpoint, with the back and forth, for a championship game, it does not get any better. Now, the other championship games I watched, again, in my lifetime, that rival it. So, Indiana-Syracuse. Not going to give you that one with Keith Smart. And I'm not going to give you that one for a variety of different reasons. Hurts. Hurts way too much. I did go back and watch Houston and NC State. And obviously that would be a game that will go down as one of the greatest championship games. I didn't see it in my lifetime. So I'm going to exclude it from my list of years of watching college basketball as a fan. I know it's purpose. Same with Villanova and Georgetown. I know how significant those games are. Just from my standpoint, I'm going to exclude them. I am going to include a game I will also never forget. Kansas and Memphis, and this was one of the all-time meltdowns over the final two, two two-and-a-half minutes of a game, and it's kind of apropos in a way that for Kansas and Bill Self, who always has had that reputation of coming up short and not doing enough in the tournament, in big games, you name it, that game they pulled the rabbit out of that. And I think for a lot of people, you will remember the Mario Chalmers shot to tie it at the end of regulation. I remember that shot full well. What I think a lot of people forget, though, is the cavalcade of free throws. And my goodness, missed free throw after missed free throw after missed free throw. When it comes to Memphis and more specifically, their two big stars led by Derrick Rose. That was a championship that should have been won by Memphis. Hands down, no questions asked. The other one that might rival it from a championship standpoint would be last year's Virginia and Texas Tech game. These are great, great championship games. These are top-notch championship games. You need, in my opinion, the sort of swings in emotion You need both sides to really feel they have a legitimate shot. Now, with Texas Tech, their effort in the overtime might hurt them a little bit. That game kind of went out with a little bit of a whimper. That said, the end of regulation, we all thought Texas Tech was going to win the game. And we all thought they were going to be the team to finally get Virginia, who came off two chaotic finishes last year in the NCAA tournament. You know, I think a lot of people forget that. The Purdue game, Virginia was dead to rights. That's a game they should lose 98 out of 100 times. Then the following game against Auburn, they need a foul call on Kyle Guy and God, who his credit's got to go to the charity stripe and knock down not one, not two, but three shots. So a couple of recent championship games, all within the last, I don't know, 12 years or so. Villanova, North Carolina, I'd rank the best. Then I would probably put Memphis and Kansas too and then I would have this Virginia-Texas Tech game right there. Now, it's a list of championship games compared to a list of all-time great tournament games. And this is where the list can get wide-ranging. It's going to depend on your you know, emotional attachments. It may depend on your opinion. There are so many different elements that come into play, but One of the other games I sat down and watched a good majority of from the start of the second half on was the 1992 regional final between Kentucky and Rick Pitino's team and Duke with Mike Krzyzewski. And my goodness, that as far as a finish, as far as drama, as far as all the storylines, Coming into that game, Duke being a heavily favored at the time. Kentucky back to prominence with Rick Patino at the helm. Those were one of the early Patino teams with Jamal Mashburn and Sean Woods leading the way. I remember watching that game now, sitting down second half, saying, holy smokes, this game is being played at such an unbelievably high level. And it shouldn't surprise you with the talent on the court. Even though he didn't start, Grant Hill, for goodness sakes, is coming off the bench. Bobby Hurley, who never lived up to the billing of being the NBA player that I think we all thought he was going to be because of what happened on the motorcycle. Bobby Hurley was an engine for that Duke team. And then on the Kentucky side, Mashburn, Woods, Dale Brown, and you see some of these guys, my goodness, some of the juniors and seniors who you maybe forgot about, they look like they're 24, 25 years old. I'm talking full mustaches. I'm talking hair galore. I'm talking they look like they are basically shot out of a 1970s, 1980s movie. And you're like, these are college kids? It just goes to show you what a different world college basketball was then as opposed to now. But that game, well played. Both teams shot the ball incredibly well. Incredibly well. I mean, Kentucky shooting at 57% from the field. Duke shooting at 65% from the field. A 104-103 thriller, and You know what happened at the end. The incredible inbounds from Leitner. The turnaround shot from Leitner. In overtime, sending Duke to the Final Four. From an overall well-played standpoint, it's going to be tough to find a basketball game as well-played as that one. And let this sink in for a minute. The 104-103 score, well before the days of the change in the shot clock. Well before the rule changes. Teams when not put up 104 and 103 in college basketball games did not happen often. Never happened. So to have that sort of score, to have that sort of shooting performance from both teams, and then to have Leitner basically cap it off with the game winner of all game winners. It's going to be really, really tough for somebody to make the argument there's a better college basketball game than that. It's tough to do. It's very, very tough to do. Now, I got a lot more on the list. We're going to break it down over the next couple hours because, listen, you could break down the best championship games. You can break down the biggest upset. You can break down, let's say, necessarily the most exciting game you've ever watched in a college basketball setting. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So, I figured the best way for us To pay tribute to an event that we don't have this year. That I think many of us are very, very upset about the fact. And for legitimate, justified reasons, we did not have an NCAA tournament. But I know for somebody like me who's been kind of antsy inside all weekend. Dying to think about some positive memories of my years of not just watching sports, but watching this great event. Being able to on the March Madness Instagram page, which I've done a ton of over the last few days, because it's easy. If you don't want to sit down and watch a whole game, you can watch, you know, the final 30 seconds. You watch a sequence. It's great. So they have like a little bracket going on where they're matching up the best buzzer beaters. Fans are voting on it. All that good stuff. More power to them. But for me, getting to sit down and watch at least two or three of these games was nice. It's not the same. I'd rather see some new memories be being made in 2020, but I guess we'll have to wait until 2021 to see whoever on the grand stage, you know, kind of leaving and etching their mark on college basketball.
1: <sighs> spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact